Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, my name is Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our latest edition of It's Time For You. With over 70,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. episode of It's Time For You, we'll be joined by Dr Nigel Gillen from the Central Tablelands Local Land Services to talk all about foot rot. Nigel is a district vet and he's had a great career working with DPI out in Burke. Following that, he joined the Local Land Service back in 2014, was based out of Mudgee for a while and then moved to Orange where he's been based for the last three years. Welcome, Nigel, and thanks for joining us today on It's Time For You. Thanks, Fiona. Nigel, can you give us a little bit of a look at what's actually happening with foot rot throughout New South Wales at the moment? Yeah, so uh, foot rot we find tends to come in waves uh, based mostly on seasonal conditions and sheep movements. So. Um, we had a bit of a spike in new cases uh, back in the last couple of wet years in 2016-17 and then through the dry years that followed that, uh, a lot of those infections were eradicated. Uh, then we obviously had that couple of years of drought um, and what we then saw starting 2020 uh, was another spike in foot rot cases. So. Uh, firstly, lots of people looking to increase their stocking numbers, lots of sheep moving around the district, coming into new areas, uh, lots of sheep coming from interstate as well. And obviously they were arriving into uh, environmental conditions that were really conducive to the spread and the expression of foot rot, which, which we call spread conditions. Um, so what that meant was that over 2020 and all through last year as well, uh, and even into 2022, we've just had a gradual increase in the number of foot rot cases that we've got in New South Wales. Um, at the moment, if you look at number of property identification codes, so PICs affected, it's sitting just below 100. Um, so some, you know, some properties will have a couple of PICs or two, two or three PICs. So the the number of flocks affected is a, is a fraction lower than that, but they're kind of spread throughout most of the regions, particularly down towards the uh, south and centre of the strait. So uh, the Central West, Riverina, the Murray region as well, all of those regions have um, a few flocks affected. Nigel, based on um, that spread across the years and factoring in drought, water is obviously part of the ideal conditions that favours foot rot. What else, um, what other climatic conditions does foot rot need to survive? 
So, so moisture is definitely the big one and that um, comes down to, as you said, rainfall, but also uh, pasture coverage has an impact. So uh, if you think of um, species like uh, clover, for example, high moisture content, very leafy. So uh, sheep that are standing around in those sort of pastures will um, be exposed to more moisture that way as well, even if the rainfall's not as high. Um, irrigated pastures, same sort of deal. And we also find that uh, warmer weather uh, can, can cause foot rot to, to develop and spread a little bit more quickly as well. So um, when it's very cold in winter or where it's very hot and, and dry over summer, foot rot isn't as active. Uh, so typically it's that kind of spring period where all of those factors come together. Uh, you've got generally rainfall, warm temperatures, good leafy pasture. So spring would be uh, the classic spread period for most of the state. Um, up on the Northern Tablelands, for example, you, that, that spread period might be more uh, a summer period with that summer dominant rainfall. So though we've been having lower case numbers just recently, um, even though we've got all this water lying around New South Wales, do you think we'll see an increase in cases or because it's not coinciding with spring, do you think it will stay the way it is? Well, uh, foot rot can certainly spread uh, anytime those conditions are there and, and coming into autumn, those conditions may well be there. So still, still a risk. Um, I think it's important to say that just water alone doesn't cause foot rot. So um, you need the bacteria there. So uh, for sheep that are free of foot rot, but are maybe standing in uh, quite body, boggy paddocks, um, they will not develop foot rot uh, because the bacteria itself is not there. Obviously you've got other foot conditions uh, such as foot abscess that um, are much more prevalent in wet conditions, but you really need both the environmental conditions as well as the pres presence of the bacteria uh, to get foot rot. So I, look, I do think um, we're gonna still see uh, a trickle of new cases coming in. There's still sheep moving around. Um, we also occasionally see spread from neighbors and, and that can happen um, at any time of the year, obviously. So yeah, I think um, it's, it's one that people still uh, would be well worth watching out for at the moment. Um, Nigel, what else should producers know about the disease? Yeah, well, a, a big one, like I said, is that uh, it is caused by a particular bacteria. So um, it's not just something that happens to, you know, any, any sheep standing in mud. Uh, it's not caused by an organism that's just in the environment. So uh, that's uh, the case with foot abscess, for example. So that, that's just environmental bacteria. Uh, getting into the skin and into the joints that cause abscess versus foot rot, where it is a it's a particular species of bacteria, uh, which we call denodosis. Um, and so, what that means is that foot rot is essentially spread by the movement of infected sheep. Uh, so that's an important point to keep in mind that the bug can survive a little while in the environment, but not not particularly long. So really no more than a week in most situations once it's out of the foot of an infected sheep. So um, it, it really means that uh, it's introductions of new sheep into a flock or neighbours, um, stray, stray neighbouring sheep 
that are almost always the cause of new infections. Um, another important thing to know, I guess, is that there are different strains of foot rot. So in New South Wales, we talk about benign foot rot uh, and virulent foot rot. And the distinction between those, uh, it's really important because it essentially determines how we go about dealing with them. Uh, I guess in summary, the benign strains, are, they're mild. We don't think of them as uh, having too much of a production impact. Um, so they might flare up in a good season and then they tend to self-resolve uh, when the conditions dry off. So very little uh, impact in the way of welfare or production losses uh, compared to the virulent strains where um, the, the really nasty ones particularly you can have uh, quite quite severe production impacts uh, and welfare impacts as well. On the podcast last year, Nigel, we had Om Dongle join us and he mentioned the scoring system that industry uses to work out what, um, to help work out what strains they have. Can you, or the severity of the foot rot, could you take us through how that scoring system works? Yeah, so it's a it's a scoring system that's been around for a while now, and it's um it's a way of describing, I guess, the extent of uh, the lesion in the foot. So it's a one to five system, uh, one being the most mild form, and five being uh, the most severe. So score ones and score twos, what those are is essentially uh, an interdigital lesion. So that means the main area that's affected is the skin between the toes of the foot. Um, starts with a, a bit of hair loss, uh, maceration of the skin, inflammation. Um, it does have a bit of a smell to it. It can look quite raw and inflamed. Uh, when we get to a score three, that's the start of what we call underrunning, which in the early stages, it, it, it tends to begin back at the heel area. And um, early on, it'll look like a sort of a, a lifting or a peeling away of the sole of the hoof. Um, as that develops, it tends to spread sort of outwards to the outer, uh, the harder wall of the hoof and also forwards towards the toe. Um, so what, what that underrunning is caused by is a, an enzyme that the bacteria produces, which essentially kind of dissolves away hoof material. Uh, so it'll, um, lift the sole and then start to track up um, to the outer hard horn of the of the hoof. Once it gets to that outer edge, uh, it becomes a score four. And then a score five is where the whole foot is affected. So extensive underrunning the whole sole all the way up to the toe. Nigel, does the degree of lameness of an animal always correlate with the severity of the lesions that you're seeing when you're out in the field? Generally, yes, uh, but uh, with with a couple of exceptions. So I think um, it's fair to say that the most severe lameness you will see is with those really virulent strains when there's a, a lot of score fives and score fours in the flock. That's that classic picture that people uh, might remember from, um, from the past of, you know, sheep on their knees, really obvious lameness. Um, just really struggling to bear weight on those affected feet. And, and score ones and twos, yes, generally it's more of that just tender-footed gait. Um, might not be so obvious when the sheep are, are moving more quickly, but you know, you quieten them down and you will see some, some feet held off the ground, that kind of thing. 
Um, I guess the, the, the exception may be some, some of those early cases where the foot rod is just getting going and it's, so it still is just a score two, for example, but they can still be quite um, inflamed lesions. And so the lameness can be, uh, can look uh, fairly obvious at that point. Um, and alternatively, you know, if you've got say a bit of foot bathing or something like that, where there were score four lesions that have started to dry off, the lameness may not be as bad. So uh, just looking at a, at a paddock of sheep from a distance, um, it might give you an idea of, of how severe those lesions are, but uh, it's not gonna tell you for sure what's going on in the feet. You mentioned um, abscesses a few times throughout the podcast already. What other diseases can cause foot problems, which we may confuse with foot rot? There are a few uh, suspects that we come across fairly commonly. Foot abscess is, is the most common, um, but some others uh, would include, uh, there's one that we call strawberry foot rot, which um, that can begin with the scabby mouth virus actually. We, we tend to see this one mostly in younger lambs uh, where they've been standing in wet grass for a while and the skin has become broken. The scabby mouth virus gets in and causes that kind of uh, proliferative scabby lesion and then on top of that you can get a secondary bacterial infection uh, often with the the dermo bug so the bug that causes lumpy wool. Um, so that one it, it um, can cause lameness but it tends to be um, uh, located above the coronary band of the foot, so a different location to, to foot rot. Um, shelly toe is another one. That can be um, sometimes just a, a fairly harmless lesion, doesn't cause lameness if it's only a bit of dirt that gets packed up into there. But when it does get into the, the kind of the sensitive um, laminae, we call them of the foot where there's a, a joining structure, they can cause a little bit of lameness. Um, Sometimes we see trauma from cat heads causing lameness where there's been a bit of a puncture wound in the sole of the foot as well. So those are a few of the other common foot issues that we see. And in many cases, it's the same environmental conditions that are conducive to foot rot are also conducive to, to some of those other diseases as well. Right, okay. And um, if we go back and talk just about foot rot then, what leads to say, the worst case scenario, which is a full-blown virulent foot rot? Well, the strain, the particular strain of the bacteria is the main thing. So that, that strain is gonna have the potential to cause virulent foot rot in any flock, but it's only gonna be fully expressed if the conditions are right. So uh, the strain, as, as far as we understand, will not mutate. If it's a virulent strain, it's going to have the capacity to cause virulent foot rot. But in addition to that, you've got two other things. So you've got um, animal factors. So for example, what breed is the sheep? We know merinos uh, are more susceptible to acquiring the infection. Also younger sheep, uh, you know, softer, softer feet are going to sometimes have more severe lesions for the same strain. Um, and then the second thing is the environmental conditions. So this is a really big one. Uh, we talked about that a bit earlier, um, the presence of moisture and then those warm temperatures. If you put all those things together, um, you're gonna get full expression of whatever strain it is. So what, what that means is uh, a benign strain is gonna look a little bit worse in really ideal spread conditions, 
and same as the virulent strains, they're going to be fully expressed in those spread conditions. And um, how is it spread from animal to animal? It's got to be bought onto the property, correct, if you don't have it already? Yeah, so it, it really needs uh, a sheep's foot to survive in. So uh, what can happen is those uh, feet that have been underrun, we talked about that before, so those score three, four, three fours and fives, um, they sometimes, as they start to heal up, can form pockets of infection. And those pockets, we think, can allow the bacteria to survive for really a, a long time, so potentially a few years, we're talking. Um, and then when the conditions are right, that pocket can uh, open up. The bacteria then is um, uh, outside of the foot. It can be on the pasture. And then you, what you need is uh, a susceptible foot to establish a new infection. And what that is, is just an area of broken skin. So uh, sheep standing in wet pastures, what will happen? The skin will become a little bit macerated. You can get a, just a dermatitis from environmental bacteria. And what that does is it provides an entry point uh, for the virulent foot rot bacteria to get in and kick off an infection. So you, you need those two things. You need um, those carrier sheep, which are the source of the bacteria. And then for the rest of the flock, which are uh, at that point uninfected, they need to have that broken skin and dermatitis around the foot for that bacteria, the foot rot bacteria, to then get in and establish a new infection. So Nigel, with all the information you've given us, diagnosis can't be easy. Your job must be pretty challenging. What's the process you go through here in New South Wales? Because it um, does differ if we've got other people on the podcast from each state, I believe. Yeah, I think that's an important point, Fiona. Each state does have um, uh, slight differences in the way that they diagnose and manage foot rot. Um, so yeah, important to check with, with your own local authorities if you're not from New South Wales. Uh, in New South Wales, it, for us, it's, it's what's called a field diagnosis or a clinical diagnosis, which uh, really means that we're kind of trying to put the whole picture together by looking at um, lots of sheep, uh, maybe from different mobs in different um, environmental conditions. We might repeat inspections just to try and get a real sense of what that particular strain is actually doing in the flock uh, physically. We use lab tests to support the diagnosis um, and they're, they're quite helpful in some of those um, more tricky cases that are a bit more on the line. Uh, but but it's worth saying as well that, that lots of cases are, are a very clear diagnosis. So lots of the time we can come in and, and really um, quickly and, and confidently say, look, this is benign foot rot or this is virulent foot rot. Um, it's often often fairly clear cut, just visually looking at the feed and, and seeing the percentage of score fours and fives that are present. Um, but you do get these occasional cases that are more on the line. And those are the cases where we um, just take a little bit more time and, and try to be thorough in our diagnosis. Nigel, why can making a call between the two strains, benign and virulent foot rot, sometimes seem slightly subjective. Yeah, it, it can seem subjective. I think it is just for those cases that are uh, more borderline cases. Um, they might be a more severe form of a benign strain or maybe just a less severe virulent strain. So um, 
it, it can seem subjective, I guess, but I think in reality, what we're doing is just um, being being thorough and making sure we know uh, exactly what that particular strain is capable of doing. Um, so, like I said, we, we might repeat some inspections, look at um, larger numbers of sheep, and then um, use some other testing to help us as well. Yeah, and talking about that other testing, you mentioned the lab test. Why don't you just use a lab test to be sure for each case? Yeah, that's a really a really common question. Um, it would be great. We would love a lab test that we could just say, look, this is going to give us a totally clear uh, answer that we can count on 100%. Um, unfortunately, no lab test is perfect. Um, and so we don't want to kind of bank everything on it. Um, the lab, the lab tests that we have are actually really good. Uh, we find they, they do correlate really closely with what we see clinically in the flock. Um, I guess all that we're doing though is just kind of ground truthing what that lab test is telling us. So um, the concept uh, we're trying to account for there is this idea of false positives or false negatives. So um, rather than uh, say using a lab test as the the defining factor where you may get, for example, a lab test that support virulent, but in the field context, we see that it really isn't behaving like a virulent strain. Um, using lab tests to support us gives us the flexibility to then diagnose that as a benign strain, uh, rather than potentially misdiagnosing it because we're just looking at only a lab test result. So once we find out we have benign or virulent foot rot, how can we manage it? It's gonna be a pretty big question. It's a big question and uh, it's uh, the answer really depends on that call, whether it is benign or whether it's virulent. Um, so benign strains, what it comes down to is really suppressive treatment when needed. And, and for the really mild strains, you know, the average year, there might not be any treatment required at all. Um, it might, flare up a little bit briefly when when you've got a got a run of wet weather but what benign strains uh, tend to do is um, self-resolve without any treatment when the conditions go back to being a little bit a little bit drier uh, so average year benign strain might cause very little lameness you know no production losses not a lot to worry about in the wet years um, producers might find that they do get an advantage from uh, the occasional foot bath. So that could be uh, like a zinc sulfate foot bath or, or radicate is um, another product that's available. Um, so those, those treatments might be worthwhile in, in wet conditions just to suppress the level of lameness. Um, and, and benign strains as well uh, should be declared when selling sheep. Um, but other than that, there's no restrictions on movements. There's, um, it's not a regulated disease in New South Wales. It's not notifiable. So producers uh, are free to manage that uh, on their own. Uh, on the other hand, virulent strains uh, in New South Wales, um, they can't just be managed long-term. So they do have to be eradicated. So uh, we would consider that the, the benefit, firstly, to the affected producer, but also to the whole industry, um, is far greater if we eradicate those strains rather than just allowing um, flocks to kind of live with them and try and suppress them and try and manage them. Uh, really, that can be a, a losing battle. And so uh, eradication is really the name of the game 
with those virulent strains. So if we're talking then about the virulent strains in New South Wales, because I am mindful it's different per state, what happens to your property if the worst and you come on and you diagnose them with virulent foot rot? Well, all the steps are really aimed at um, minimising the chance that that infection is going to spread anywhere, whether that's to neighbours or to other properties through the sale of sheep. So what that means is we restrict the movement of sheep off that property so that they're only going to slaughter. There's no chance that uh, other flocks could become infected. And we also do a bit of tracing to make sure we can um, just identify anywhere else that might have received infected sheep or maybe the source of the infected sheep. So that's about containing the infection. Uh, and then the second big part of it is eradicating that infection like we talked about. Um, and that, it, it can go essentially two ways. For some people, a complete destock is um, the most effective option, particularly thinking about uh, the longer term. So just very quickly being back to um, a clean slate, so to speak, being able to um, buy a clean sheet back in and start from scratch. Obviously, for some people, that's that's just not an option. Um, you know, there might be uh, genetics that have that have taken years to build up, and and the flock really needs to be um, retained through that eradication program. And so, what happens there is what we call an on-farm eradication program, which uh, in essence, it all involves um, identifying and removing carrier sheep. And over time, uh, with repeat inspections and suppressive treatments when needed as well, that gives us a really good chance of, of eradicating the disease. So those are the two sides of it, trying to contain the spread and then eradicate the infection. Um, so those are kind of mandated steps in New South Wales as a regulated disease. But I think it's worth saying that those are, you know, they're all the sorts of things that a conscientious producer would be doing anyway. Um, so they're things that are going to be uh, best for that producer long term in terms of productivity uh, and getting rid of the disease. So um, they're, they're, they're steps that are in the best interests of the, the producer and the whole sheep industry. Nigel, Om talked a lot about vaccination. Is um, that sort of something that you would put in as part of the eradication program as well? Yeah, vaccination can form a, a part of a, an eradication program. So in New South Wales, uh, Footvax is the product that, that's currently registered from Coopers. Uh, approval is required for its use in New South Wales, so it can't just be bought kind of over the counter. Um, and that's just so we know how it's being used and we can make sure uh, it's not being used to, to conceal an infection, which is going to set um, other people up for unknowingly purchasing affected, uh, infected sheep. So um, eradication through vac vaccination on its own isn't an option, but vaccination can form a useful part of the overall eradication plan. So it's, um, it's meeting that same uh, need as foot bathing in a way in that during spread conditions, for example, it's going to suppress the spread of the disease. So what that means is you're going to minimise the number of sheep that become infected and then might have to be culled in the later stages of the program. You're improving welfare 
Um, it, it can be particularly useful where sheep can't be yarded more regularly for a foot bath. Um, so for example, lambing ewes, um, it gives just that bit of extended protection. So uh, they claim about 10 to 12 weeks in merinos, a bit longer in British breeds. Um, you'll cure some sheep, so about 60% of sheep is the claim rate um, for curing and then um, protection for about 80% of the flock from acquiring a new infection. Um, so yeah, in, in some cases, foot bathing may meet that same function, um, but vaccination is a, is a good option to consider in other situations. Certainly a handy tool to have in the toolbox against the That's right. um, fight. Exactly, exactly right. Just before we finish up, Nigel, do you have any final comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think one uh, that comes to mind, particularly having dealt with lots of foot rot properties over the last couple of years and seeing the cases where uh, we've really had a good chance to eradicate versus the ones that have struggled is uh, to report early. I think early diagnosis really gives us the best chance of eradication. Um, and it also means there's a lot, a, a lot less of a chance that there would have been spread right through the flock. So uh, the cases where we've had really good results, you know, they've um, identified a problem early because they've been monitoring, particularly if they've had introduced sheep or if they've known they've had strays, they've paid really close attention and that the first sign of lameness, they've let us know, let their private vet know. Um, those are the chances where we've really been able to minimise the impact and get in and start eradication early versus the cases where uh, we really are coming in a lot later and diagnosing a problem that's been there for some time. Those are the ones we struggle with because the, the infection has spread. There's often, uh, there hasn't been kind of effective suppression of the disease. So those just become trickier and more costly long-term. So I think that's uh, one important message is um, to report, report early and get anything suspect um, looked at as soon as possible. Thank you, Nigel, and thank you for sharing your vast experience on foot rot with our listeners and for joining me today on It's Time For You. Thanks for the opportunity, Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. If you haven't done so already, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Australian Wool Innovation Podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au and you can find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events during the year. Thank you again for joining us today. Bye for now.